couple of weeks ago, I went to the optometrist uh, who said uh, to me, how's your vision? And I said, well, I think my vision's pretty good. And then he put that big lens machine in front of me, and wow, did it get better. And, you know, I could read the bottom line of the chart without even faking it. It was just amazing. Well, you know, I think this lesson from Acts 16 is kind of like that lens machine. Because when I put it in front of me, I see all kinds of things about the power and presence of God, and I capture an even clearer vision of my role and my response as a follower of Jesus. And as that lesson also comes before you on this last Sunday in the season of Easter, uh, the context is uh, the second missionary journey of St. Paul. And this one, you know, is very definitely a biggie because this is the journey that takes Paul out of Asia and on into the continent of Europe as he sails across the Aegean Sea and lands at a place called uh, the province of Macedonia, uh, which today includes a portion of modern-day Greece and where he and a fellow missionary by the name of Silas and also Luke who is the author of the book of Acts and uh, the narrator of that lesson that you just heard, make their way from the coast of Macedonia on into the city of Philippi, which is about 10 miles inland from the waters of the Aegean. Uh, the city of Philippi is a great city. It's named after King Philip of Macedonia, who was actually the father of Alexander the Great. Philippi was a very wealthy place because it was surrounded by gold mines. In fact, you know, the only thing that Philippi had going against it is that it was located in an earthquake zone, which I'll come back to in a minute. At any rate, when Paul would go into a city, it was his normal practice to find the local synagogue and go into that synagogue and, and preach the message of Jesus uh, as the Savior of the world and the Messiah of the world, after which he would call people out of the synagogue to follow Christ. Well, it turned out that Philippi was largely a Gentile, non-Jewish city. In fact, there were, weren't even the required 12 Jewish men to form a synagogue. And so that's why Luke says at the beginning of the passage uh, that they went to a place of prayer, which was outside by the river, uh, just to the west of downtown Philippi, and where they meet a group of women, one of whom is named Lydia, uh, to whom Paul witnesses and proclaims the gospel, after which Lydia and her household were baptized, which gets this whole second missionary journey of St. Paul off to a really, really good start with the baptism of Europe's first Gentile converts. And then the whole thing falls apart just a short time later when, as you just heard, Paul and Silas were arrested in Philippi and thrown into jail because Paul exercised, cast out the demon of a slave girl who was working as a fortune teller and was following a, a Paul around the city until she finally got on his last nerve and he cast out that demon in the name of Jesus. Well, when the owners of that slave girl realized that thanks to Paul they can't make any more money through her fortune telling, they haul Paul and Silas in front of the magistrates and they have them arrested for subversion because Philippi is also a colony of Rome and in Rome Judaism is legal but Christianity is not. And besides that, it's one thing when religion is good for business, but it's another thing when it hinders your income. And so at the end of the day, 
Paul and Silas are in jail, locked up in chains. Here are these guys, you know, first week in Europe, you know, excited about the mission of Jesus, high on the baptisms of Lydia and her household, and they are locked up in chains, fastened to the stocks, in the utter darkness of prison at midnight. Let me just hit the pause button on the passage for just a minute and ask you the question, what does that moment at midnight look like and represent in your life? What is midnight for you? See, for some people, you know, midnight is an unhealthy relationship, you know, in, in, in which you are stuck. What is it that has you wrapped up in chains, imprisoned? For some people, you know, it's a, it's a secret that you're keeping. For, something it's, for somebody, it's, it's something that you're desperately ashamed of. Some people are imprisoned by the judgments of others upon them in a way that gives them their identity. For some people, you know, they are imprisoned by a personal loss or maybe a lack of vision for their future. I mean, this could be a lot of different things. What does midnight represent for you? You know, it's kind of interesting uh, that uh, in the ancient world, jails really weren't that large for the most part. They were small places because prisoners didn't normally spend a whole lot of time in them. It was more like a holding place until, you know, the trial, the judgment happened quickly, followed by a, a number of different forms of, uh, of punishment. And so when you got arrested and put into jail, uh, you were often, you know, locked up in chains, which allowed you a, a certain amount of limited movement within that prison. But then at night, your feet would also be fastened to the stocks for extra security. And that's exactly what Luke said happened to Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. And the question is, you know, what has you in chains in your life so that, you know, you're still moving around in your daily life, but then when nighttime comes and everything else slows down and goes away and you have time to think, you realize just how imprisoned you really are. What do you do when that happens to you and it's midnight? What Paul and Silas do is they get their worship on right there in that jail in the darkness at midnight. They start singing and praising and praying to God. Because they know that the evidence of God's power and presence in this world is not in the absence of trial. It is in the ability of a believer in Jesus Christ to make it through the trial by the grace of God. They know that even though God is for you, there are, there are going to be things that also do form against you. And for them, the only place to go, the only thing to do in a moment like that, in a place like that, is to draw close to the living God. Every single person in this room, every single person in this whole world is going to hit the wall. Sooner or later, 
in one way, one form, or another, it is going to happen to all of us. And the question is, am I going to be ready? Do I even know what song I'm going to sing when midnight comes? Because I have been rehearsing. I have been practicing. I have become familiar with the message. I have been singing the songs of freedom in Jesus Christ. And I'm ready for midnight to come. There are a lot of people in this world who are not remotely ready for midnight. But these guys were beaten, bruised, locked up in chains, fastened to the stocks. They start a late service. And I mean, it's a late service. They're singing, they're praising, they're praying to God at midnight. Their midnight. And it's interesting, you know, when we were in Philippi uh, just last fall, you know, we were literally standing in front of this prison that uh, St. Luke is writing about in Acts chapter 16 because it was excavated by the French in 1914 and 1915. And so, you know, there, there I was standing in front of this jail that you just heard about, thinking about those guys and imagining that when they were singing, when they were worshiping that night, others could hear them not just inside the prison, but also outside the prison. And that be, that's because this jail in Philippi, which is not very big, sits on the main street that cuts right through ancient downtown Philippi. And so their praising was making it beyond the walls of that prison until it got interrupted by, guess what? An earthquake that broke through the chains. That broke through the chains, I assume, by dislodging them from the stone wall to which they were attached. By rocking the foundation of that prison so that the, the door jam shifted and the doors of that prison opened. And those chains became symbols of freedom. Those doors became symbols of escape. But what happens next is my favorite part of the whole passage. It, it puts the lump in my throat. When instead of escaping, Paul and Silas respond in an illogical, counterintuitive, Holy Spirit way. And they say to the jailer, do not hurt yourself. We're still here. Why do they say that? They say that because, you know, the jailer, as you heard in the passage, was about to kill himself. Now, why was he about to kill himself? Well, Luke doesn't explain that. That's what you have me for. <laughs> and the reason that he's about to kill himself is that in that ancient world, when a jailer lost a prisoner to escape, the jailer then had to pay the penalty himself, often with his own life. And that poor jailer just assumes that when prisoners get free, prisoners escape. That is what people do. Next Sunday, here at this service, we're going to celebrate the confirmations of another group of eighth graders. And I will tell you that after the confirmation happens, we'll find out which ones escape. And which ones stay put and say, we are still here. Paul and Silas have a chain reaction to their freedom. 
And that chain reaction is a counterintuitive Holy Spirit response when they don't go anywhere. And they illustrate the fact that these two guys really are the real deal because their purpose was not to get out of Philippi. Their purpose was to get the grace of God into Philippi. And what they see when those doors open is actually the opening for the grace of God into the hearts and the lives of the people of Philippi. And when that jailer sees their chain reaction, his reaction is to say, I want a relationship with the God that these two guys are singing to in the darkness of midnight. I want to be saved by the one who just rocked my world and turned my midnight into morning, my p.m. into a.m., which is what happens whenever midnight comes and morning is on the way. I want to be a person who participates in a chain reaction of life's most important message for the next person and the next person and the next one after that. And what is that message? Don't hurt yourself. He is still here. Don't, don't hurt yourself with your guilt. You know, he's still forgiving. He's still setting people free. Don't hurt yourself with your isolation because he's still here comforting people in extraordinary ways through ordinary people who, who bear the name of Jesus. Don't hurt yourself by forgetting about him when midnight comes to you. Because the evidence of God's presence and power in this world is not the absence of trial. It is our ability to move through the trial by the power and the grace of God. Don't hurt yourself with the judgments of others because you've been called the children of God. Don't hurt yourself because he's still here and his family is still here. And You know, you may have to walk through the valley, but you're not going to die in the valley because he's still here every hour of every day, in every circumstances, including all of the things that form and come against you. The chain reaction of Paul and Silas to their persecution and imprisonment was worship. The chain reaction of God to their worship was freedom. The chain reaction of Silas and Paul to the freedom was not escape. It was ministry. It was loving sacrifice. The chain reaction of the jailer to the ministry of Paul and Silas was faith. And the result was baptism. And the beginning of an internal relationship with Jesus as this passage ends with great rejoicing as the gospel takes hold onto the continent of Europe. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, his praise. You know the song. And that is the freedom song of Jesus Christ. His praise will ever be on my lips.
Because in that chain-breaking moment, they had experienced a new beginning of a new life. God had come into this world uh, to, to break their chains and to set off a chain reaction of grace. He had come to set people free by crashing through the gates and lifting people up so that they can stand, we can stand on his promises. He turned the chains of the prison into a chain reaction. He does it through Paul and Silas. He does it through you and me. And that chain reaction goes on through them, and it still goes on through you and me for the hope of this world, through the grace and power of the one who transforms our trials into triumphs, who still rocks our world, so that we might know the freedom and the blessing of a whole new life. May interest you to know uh, that about 10 years after Paul and Silas spent that night in jail, St. Paul, now long gone from Philippi, writes a letter back to the church that he started there, the church that grew there. And that letter known as St. Paul's letter to the Philippians has been referred to by some as the happiest book in the entire Bible. Because in it he says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice. He says, for me to live is Jesus. To die is gain. You know where he was when he wrote that letter? Yeah. He was in jail. Again. Under arrest for his faith. But living triumphantly, gloriously, joyfully, with a vision for his future that was crystal clear. I don't know about you, but I want a faith like that in the God that I have. And so I hope that these uh, few minutes with Acts chapter 16 in front of us will, by God's grace and the movement of His Spirit, improve our vision. Help us to see more clearly the presence and power of, of God in this world and our role and our response as we experience the grace of God because every one of us is here because of this chain reaction in one way or form or another so that by His grace, we can keep it going in the life of the next person, the next generation, the next church, the next one after that, the next one after that, for the glory of the risen Christ and the hope of this broken world. And that is it for the seventh Sunday and the last one in the season of Easter until we get ready to celebrate Pentecost and the coming of his spirit, except to say to you in the name of of our risen Lord. I'm glad you're still here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.